What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today in the locker room. I'm Alan Locker. Actor Michael Lowry made his daytime television debut as Jake Martin on All My Children in 1996. In addition to his role as Jake, Michael has appeared on As the World Turns as Les Sweeney, on The Bold and the Beautiful as Dr. Hillman, on One Life to Live as Ross Rayburn, on Days of Our Lives as Dr. Clay Snyder, and on the digital drama Tainted Dreams as Jordan Bradford. Michael is here today to reminisce about his numerous primetime, primetime roles, his daytime roles, his love of music, and tell us what it was like attending UCLA Law School. I'm so happy Michael has agreed to chat with us today. Please welcome to the locker room, Michael Lowry. Hey, Michael, did uh, I get that all right? Oh, is that your cat trying to get in the screen? Is, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he tries to upstage me wherever I go. So. <laughs> okay. Charlie's um, his name? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, we've been futzing around with this for the last hour. And, of course, uh, right when you start speaking, he's like, okay, it's time for me to interrupt things. So. Well, he, he he's looking for his light. He knows. Yes. <laughs> How you doing? Good, good. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. I didn't realize you're, you, uh, were you born and raised in Staten Island? I was born in Staten Island. I was not raised there. My um, dad was there. My folks are from Oregon. And... Um, they moved to New York City during the Vietnam War. He was a, he was in the army, and oh, wow. so as a and he was a, a a doctor. But he never went to Vietnam. But they stationed him at Fort Hamilton, Brooklyn, and uh, they they got a little apartment in Staten Island, right across the right where the Verrazano Bridge is, and yeah. because it seemed to them to look most like Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting uh and i've been out there and, and there i could see what they mean in terms of some of the neighborhoods and stuff but i i was there a couple of years I, I think and then moved back to oregon they moved back in the early 70s so what what was your childhood like out in oregon um it was a lot of uh different than childhoods are now i imagine because it was just devoid of anything electronic there was a lot of television there was a lot of i was really uh um, my folks dis divorced pretty early on. And so I live with my mom. And so I watched a lot of TV to her dismay. And so the, the three channels, you know, what the three yeah. channels had. To yeah, exactly. And, and I could almost tell you that the, the, uh, the nighttime schedule every day of the week in 1975 to 1978. But, um, but, but uh, so that probably was the sort. And, and then started watching soap operas, you know, with my grandmother in the early 80s. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I started with my mom. What did you watch? I so I work as a fiberglasser, and and I went over to my grandma's, and she would be watching Days of Our Lives, and she just was glued to that show. And this is 1984 when I started watching Days. I was absolutely an addict for Days of Our Lives. I wow. this is classic Hope and and Bo and and Patch and Kayla. And Victor Kiriakis and Stefano Demira and, and all that's incredible. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and so I I would watch it every uh, every day at lunch, and then I'd tape it every day. And so I you know I'd have five episodes when I was in school, and watch it. And we also went in in college. We would go over to the, the sorority next door. You can say it out loud on, on your VHS tapes. On my VHS tapes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, and, I, and so. I mean, I, we're starting to veer into, into my, my viewership. I think you asked about growing up in Oregon, but um, it, it involved nope. a lot of television. Yeah, a lot of TV. I, I yeah. get it. What what was on your primetime lineup of uh, my, favorites? Good question. So um, I could tell you Tuesday nights was Happy Days at 8 o'clock and Laverne Shirley at 30. And at 9, at 9 p.m. was Three's Company. And that was, you know, scandalous because it was <laughs> Jack Tripper who was pretending to be gay, but he wasn't. <laughs> Kind of Lothario and these hot two roommates, 
living in Ocean Park, California, or Santa Monica. And I thought that's what that's my dream. I I I want to, and I ended up living in the same neighborhood when I moved to LA as Jack Tripper. Um, but uh, Wednesdays was I remember I, this. Uh, I, I know I know what you're going to say for Wednesdays. Charlie's Eight, Angels. Charlie's Angels. I think Eight is Enough was on before that. Yeah, I, I yeah. Like that show, and then Charlie's Angels. Thursday was kind of the NBC lineup. It was Mork and Mindy. There was some other, I think it was called Soap, actually. It yeah, was, it might have been. You yeah. and I grew up exactly the yeah. same time frame. I, I watched just as much of all of that and more. And, and and Friday was weird because that was the night you'd go to your friends. Or I think there was Friday night in, in, in network television in those days. It was a night at the movies, like the movie of the week. And that was usually on Friday night or maybe Monday. I can't. But I don't remember Friday. Saturday is very clear to me because it was Starsky and Hutch at nine o'clock, which was my hands down favorite favorite show ever, and 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 still uh, is. Uh, no, that's so great. Did yeah, you uh, have both. a Dodge Charger at some point in your uh, life? A, a Ford Torino, Starsky and Hutch car for fifteen years. Oh, it's Ford Torino. Is that what they, they had? had? Seventy. They had a seventy-five Ford Torino. And, okay, uh, I had a Grand Torino. Yeah, it's same thing. It's a Grand. Torino. Okay, yeah, I had a Grand Torino for a little while. Yeah, and um, it didn't look didn't look that nice. I can tell you that. But just just like it, so I really thought I was Starsky for many 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 years, and <laughs> and I also look look you know look at that programming, and you know you kind of look at the the you know the storytelling and and how different it is from from pro TV programming now. But I do think that some there were some really good programs, and Starsky and Hutch had some kind of new things they were doing in terms of relating the two. You know, they weren't just cops. It was really about their their relationship. You know, and and they were both really good actors. I think David Soul is exceptionally exceptional actor. Um, but they're all you know they're all pushing eighty now. It's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, so, Captain James T. Kirk just went to space. Yep. 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 So you know, <laughs> what was it? You know, uh, I guess art imitates life, life it whatever. So he's oh he's, totally. Crazy. Totally, totally, totally. Now, so I was, do I have it right? I mean, you mentioned earlier your dad was a doctor, but you were born into a family of physicians. Yes, yes. My dad was a doctor, and his younger brother uh, was a physician in Puerto Rico. Um, for those uh, listening in Puerto Rico, Desi Lowry, who's a, a local celebrity there, she's Miss Universe, took third in Miss Universe, and she has a big modeling agency. And she's she's Desi Lowry's a you know. Pretty much everybody knows her, but that's my my uh, uncle's daughter. Oh, wow, um, he's a physician. My grandfather, their father, was a physician. Um, so there's there's medicine in the family. Oddly though, my dad was the first one to say, "You sure is this something you want to do?" It wasn't like you know you need to follow in your son's footsteps. He was like, when I was graduating from college, he's like, "You sure you want to go to medical school?" And so that's really kind of what's like, well, why not? And and then uh, I was in acting class at the time, and I. And, and you were accepted into medical school, yeah, right? Yeah, it was. And so I kind of said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to um, kick that to the curb for a year and go to L.A. That was 22, 1990, and see what happens. And, I'll, and I, was pretty, I was pretty disciplined about, like, I, I've worked hard. I've studied hard. I did well in school. This show business thing, I have no, you know, I mean, I didn't go to a I went to Oregon State University, which is a science school. I didn't science and engineering school. I didn't. I didn't go to, you know, uh, Juilliard or any kind of performing arts school. I did theater at Oregon State, um, and I had a really good acting, very good acting professor there, Charlotte Hedrick, who, uh, after a death of a salesman scene, said, "What are you doing with your life?" And so it's kind of like made me feel like, okay, this is possible, at least you know from Corvallis, Oregon standards, but. I, I did say I'm was it something that uh, was in your mind before you started it, taking uh, it, that you had was. theater class? It, it was. I think all the television really embedded itself in my head, and um, not just as an escape, but truly being moved by performances and kind of like music too. You like music, and you, you either like just want to listen to it or you want to make it, you know, and you want to make it well and and if you can connect emotionally and have an art, artistic experience then all the better and so i i felt that you know early on and so i did have kind of an idea that's what i want to do and and hell it's 22 you can do a lot of things for a while <laughs> until you got to get your life together 
So it's true. I, I sort of wanted to act in college and, and probably for the same reasons. I mean, I wa I was hooked on, you know, I grew up on As the World Turns and Guiding Light because my mother was watching. Uh -huh. I watched all those primetime shows you mentioned. Yeah. I'm about two years older than you. Um, but then I got a job a sophomore year in college as a page at ABC television. And I just started working in the business already and, and acting and just say it again. Were you in Los Angeles for that? Job? I was in in New York City, right across oh. from the old All My Children studio. Oh, oh really? Okay. Um, yeah. Do, 56th Street there. Yeah. Six, yep. I worked uh, right on the corner there in the Regis, you know, Regis oh, and yeah. Kathy yeah. Lee. Oh. And basically they hired me right out of college. So it just seemed like I was already sort of working in entertainment and loving mm -hmm. what I was doing. And the acting thing just seemed so hard to me. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, you will probably, we'll probably just, you know, segue into this, but acting is, uh, it's, it's like, as for me, it's like, probably, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but it's like a strong, it's like a drug addiction. I mean, it's hmm. sucks when you're not working and when you're working, it's the best thing in the world. And they, I, I bet, I the bet. Trick is to, is to be able to sustain, sustain it and not drive yourself crazy during the, the, the not working part. And, um, but I, uh, it, it's it's great to work in show business. The best job in the world. So when you uh, went to dad and 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 said you were leaving medical school for acting, what, what was their initial response? You know, I, I um, my parents, God bless them. They they never really, uh, they weren't the, the you know you you, know, you hear all these stories of people kids being disowned for you know going down the artistic path and yeah. They didn't, like I was, I'd already kind of established myself that I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. So there was really never any fight. Um, my mom probably bit her, bit her tongue uh, more than she wanted to and cried when I left. But, but uh, certainly was happy when, you know, she's got the All My Children mug and the All My Children keychain. So there was no complaint. <laughs> you know. That's yeah. fantastic. I love that. Well, speaking of All My Children, can yeah. you take us back to that? audition and screen test what what do you yeah. remember i remember um that i had done there was there's kind of a a, pre, a, a prologue to this is that the, that's correct epilogue is after prologue to this is that i worked with evil arue on yeah the old two-hour movie of the week when they still did those daniel Steele miniseries on nbc called remembrance and i'd gotten that job this is kind of how show business works. And I had, uh, this is 1995 and, uh, I'd done a smattering of things here and there. I, it was, it was, it was giving me enough confidence to stay, stick with it. Right. And, um, this guy named Costas Mandalore was the, was the lead in remembrance. He played this Greek fashion photographer and he dropped out for some reason. And I was second in line. And so, um, I got this job. And it was one of the biggest jobs at that point. It was a lead in this movie with uh, Eva and two or three, Angie Dickinson. And so it immediately just. Police woman. <laughs> yes, police. Correct. That was, <laughs> that shows a little before my time, but. Yeah. Uh, but um, they, uh, I had tested so many times for soap operas up to that point, all through 92, 93. And I had tested for guide. First screen test was for guiding light. Do you um, remember for what role? Do. I know Leonard Stab got the job. Oh yeah, Hart Jessup. Yeah. Yes, that one. Yeah. And the then Frank Grillo was the last to play him, I think. Oh, is that right? Or maybe there might have been a few others, but Frank Grillo played him for okay. a while. So I tested for that, and about a year later, One Life, I tested for the role that this cowboy dude got that ended up marrying Jewel. Can't remember. He was on it for a while, um, and then I tested for Days of Our Lives for Austin. Awesome. Peck got that. Uh, and I think there was one other one. And by, by the time I'd been through my fourth or fifth, I, I just really kind of believed that it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of take your cues along the way, what you're good at, what you're not. And you shouldn't believe things when you, when you think you're not good at something. You, you should push against that. I just felt it wasn't my bag. You know, I, I just, you know, there was just something that uh, just wasn't working. I, I don't know. And I auditioned for All My Children for Judy Wilson, who was the casting director there, for yeah. some other part. And she liked me. She, she remembered me. I did, it didn't go past her because I, I don't know what role it was. 
but she remembered me and um and I had decided in after remembrance I'm like okay this is the step up I want primetime television I, I'm soaps I'm not gonna I've tried that out it's not working for me and I and so at the time I was screen testing for a lot of primetime series um, one of them was called Style and Substance with Kathleen Turner and I really uh, and I and I was very close on that. I didn't get it. It really bummed me out. This is early '96, and my manager at the time, Bob McGowan, said, "Well, there's this all my children part you've been turning down the audition for um, for like the last four or five months. They're, they still haven't found him. It's Jake Martin." Oh, yeah. um, I said, I, "I said I will. I'll screen test for it, but I'm not going to audition for it because the process is you audition a few times." Mm -hmm. you know, and then you, then they say, okay, now you're going to screen test. I said, I'll screen test for it, but I'm not going to audition for it. And, and, and they were okay with that. And they'd seen me with Eva in Remembrance, Eva LaRue's, because that had aired about a year before. And so th those kinds of things make a difference, I, I think, you know, and, and, um, and, and I went to New York. Well, especially to a good casting director who's watching the, you know, watching yeah. what people are doing, sure. you know, work. It, it, it's important to be working in, in the business. It just yeah. is. And especially when you're working with Eva LaRue, who's one of the hugest stars in all my children at that time. And as her love interest. And so it's soapy. You know, the, the remembrance the movie was soapy to begin with. So we're, we're already in the right ballpark. And I remember um, being like, figure, like I've got to do something different in this audition than I've done in other auditions. I, I have to kind of shake it up here. Because I'm, this is not just going to be another job I'm not going to get. I've got to try something different. And you need to, you know, I believe you need to think in terms of taking risks uh, as yeah. an actor. Um, and and maybe, it, maybe it's going to fail. And, or, and you mean the screen test. Did you get yeah. to screen test with Eva? I, no, I screen tested with um, Marcy Walker. Oh, wow. Who's, who Jake was supposed to be with and was for, for at the beginning of that you know, run. And so I, and Marcy's fantastic to work with. And she's a very, you know, you just kind of look in her eyes and she's a very giving actress. I mean, without getting too actory, um, <laughs> auditioning, but, and I kind of went off the, I just kind of decided, I went to this place called the saloon about three hours yeah, before. Of course. Had a couple of pints there. Just to kind of <laughs> <curse> off. <laughs> I'll admit. Um, and then, um, cause I thought I'll probably be up because there's 10 guys there. One of the guys that was there, I think Brendan Fraser was testing for it. Oh wow! And then this other guy um, uh, that ended up being—he was in the Batman. He was in Batman. He was in the Company of Men. Um, I can't remember his name. He tested for it. See, all these big stars now. Um, and I ended up being like—I thought I'd be like seventh or eighth. I ended up being like first or second. Daniel Cosgrove also tested for that part, and um, so I went in there and basically um sat i remember i was sitting at a table and just kind of we started acting off the page and that was kind of my decision is to kind of react and do things that weren't on the page which is kind of bold to do um mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're timing shots and doing things like that and, and soaps but it was in kind of within i wasn't going crazy but um and i and i really just because that was the most comfortable i wanted to be the most comfortable the most real i could be um to, to, to try to get this job that I still felt was out of my hands because of my previous experiences. And I, and I, so I, I auditioned and I'm kind of like, well, I'm not sure how that went. I, I did make some pretty aggressive choices in terms of going off the page. And, and, um, and it was usually you find out pretty quickly and it was two weeks. And cause I, it, you know, I went back. That's to painful college. to me. That's yeah. painful. And I lived in LA at the time, so I basically flew back to LA and and just kind of like, you know, said, all right, let's let's just keep going with the with the career. And and I just it, it it did come as a surprise. I got a call about two weeks later, and my man, my manager said, you got the job. So um, I went up out there, but I did talk to Marcy about the audition, and she's like, you know, I told the producers, I said, if you hire this guy, you're hiring somebody that's a little that's going to do things a little differently because they did kind of. I don't think bristled at the approach, but she, she recognized it. And, uh, but she told me that she said, you know, that was a, kind of a bold move to make, but you know, it, I guess it worked. It did. 
Yeah, and uh, and moved to gas. It it did. Uh, and it was the best thing. One of the best things uh, to get that job. I mean, I I it, and you know, I was born in Staten Island, but of course, I don't know anything about it. So it reacquainted me with New York City, and then it's a place I I love and can continue to go back to always. A lot of friends there. Do you remember your first day on set? I did. I do. It was it was a look. So back in the back at that time, they were doing location stuff because they had money to kind of go out and shoot on location, and that was that was dwindling. But when I got there, the, the, you know that that stuff was being curtailed. But they wanted me to be the, the kind of the unknown. Who is this this guy out in the mountains, hauling a driving a pickup and riding his boat, driving his boat around and sleeping in a cabin, and it's kind of one of those who's this mystery, you know, lumberjack. Yeah, kind of and. And he runs and and Marcy's character had had left um, Pine Valley for some reason in a huff and broke up with whoever she I think it was Tad actually, and she runs into this guy out in the wilderness and they you know so the first day was um, falling out of a tree, and that's literally my first scene and that was the first thing we did I fell out of a I was lighting a, a tree and I fell out of it and I remember. Um, I remember feeling terribly uncomfortable that as far as like, I can't do this. Like I, I, I felt like I, I don't know. It was, uh, I, I just didn't, my nerves were, were, were mm. shot and it just. Was so it you alone me. when you fell out of the tree or Marcy was there? I was alone. I fell and I was unconscious and I wake up and I've got like lights strewn all over me and, and she's there. And I said, Oh, you're an angel. You know, and it's just my indoctrination to the soap world. And it was pretty hardcore. It wasn't, you know, sly. Um, Where'd they shoot that? They shot it out in New Jersey and it was cold. I remember it was like November of, of that year and it was cold and foggy. And they're talking about make sure you get all the, the my, whatever the, the things that the, the ticks, make sure you <laughs> watch out for ticks, you know, because I'm rolling around. The other thing that happened that day is I broke somebody's foot. You um, did? Yeah. I, I was back in the pickup truck to put it back in position. I rolled over. Oh, and Welcome to Pine Valley. Oh my gosh, it was it was uh, it was a conspicuous start. <laughs> yeah, that that's a little that's a little much. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good triangle, though. Liza just breaking up with your brother. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and then we finally and there was a lot of shooting. Uh, it was like a week of shooting out and. And it was just, uh, it was, it was, um, it was just challenging, you know, just to kind of get my bearings and, and, and the, the, the pace of things. And you're, although you're outside and you're doing a kind of shooting that soap operas don't do, it's shot like a soap. So it's, it was, it was, uh, hard to make the adjust. So it was good to get it finally into the studio and to start working with other people. And I was lucky because that character got to work with everyone like David Canary and uh, a lot um the late and, Ray, i mean Ray your Ray. dad was the late yeah, yeah. ray mcconnell yep yep mcconnell and uh, i worked with um lee merriweather was my mother on that so of course i knew lee merriweather from that woman and yeah that. totally and, and then also you know michael knight and i really um had a really good relationship um and we really enjoyed working together a lot and so that was i was very fortunate to be plugged into the main family on a great show um, still at a time when soap operas had four, five, six million viewers, you know, and so I feel lucky that um, I, because I, like I said, I started testing in the early '90s, and 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 I kind of almost missed that, and so it was, I, I'm really thankful that I was able to. That was that was my first job. You know? What What are your memories of working with Ray? Um, <clears throat> Ray was he was in the dressing room right next to me and we worked because we worked together a lot because he was my dad obviously and he, and he worked in the hospital and and just uh it really grounded me because he's been there first forever and there was no bs with him um just to, you know all the stuff you read is absolutely true all the you know, things people are, were saying uh kind heart warm heart great sense of humor um you know, had a great show business history, but was really just kind of homespun and didn't just a regular guy. And, and, uh, and I'm a big, um, and I'm kind of a, kind of a history nut. I do like, you know, the history of television, the history of soap operas kind of started to intrigue me. And so it was mm -hmm. interesting to be around him and talk about how things evolved and, and out of the old days. And so well, that was and, and working for the queen. 
Miss Agnes. I mean, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I met her one time. I think that was the 10,000th show when I was there, and I met her at that time. Um, but didn't really, inter- you know, she wasn't really part of the, 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 the canvas much, you know, when I was there. So. Yeah, but, I mean, that, talk about history. So, yeah, I mean, you were involved. That- it was Liza... Uh, Tad and yourself, and then it was you and Cameron Matheson, Matheson and Esther Tablanc. Yes, it went from there was a there was Liza and Liza got to get um, got married to David Canary's character Adam Chandler. So there was a lot with him and her. There was a baby, of course. There's always got to be a baby. Um, and then <laughs> I had a, a brief romance with uh, Ala Karat's character Ali that didn't last very long, and then Esther. Uh, Esther's character and and Cameron. So that was and that was about four years, three or four. I you know there's a there's long stretches with me where like they kind of didn't know what to do with me, and I was just kind of a doctor. I was working a lot, but I didn't really. I was just kind of um, you know moving story along for other people, and so I was kind of more of a utility character. And then mm-hmm. I had a heavy story, and then that towards the end when I said, well, I think it's time to go. Then then they said, oh, well, let's. You know, let's do this. Let's write for him now. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Did your dad like you playing a doctor? Um, yeah, he got a kick out of it. Um, it was more so my friends that (laughs) I was pre-med with that were like, you know, tearing their hair out in medical school. And I'd kind of shot to the front of the class and was a doctor already, you know, (laughs) in their white coat. Like, what the hell's going on? I thought (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) This isn't right. So what do you what do you think you learned uh, from working at all my children that you took with you everywhere? Um, well, I think you start at thirty thousand feet. I think everybody, when you know they they for a lot of people, it's kind of their first substantive acting job. If you're younger, you work a lot. You learn how to act in front of a camera. Um, whatever quirks and you know you, you iron out all. You hope to iron out all the all the uh, the you're, you're refining your technique. Um, say what you will about about writing and, and and such. You know, you're on camera and you're aware of. Uh, you know, I I watch myself to, to more to just know what I should. Because you like you think you're doing something and you watch you're like, oh, that doesn't come across at all. And so um, it's you know you're you're acting so much, and you're on TV so much that uh, you have this ability to kind of monitor yourself and go, okay you know, you look like an idiot and, and, you know, this isn't working or this is working really well. Think about this. So I, I, I learned to, to be still as an actor in front of a camera. I learned to, that's the main thing is you don't, you know, don't, don't try to act your act, just be, and you have to in soap operas. I mean, you, 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 you're, you're asked to do so much work in a short period of time. You really have to enter a different zone of consciousness as far as preparing as an actor you really just have to surrender to, you got to know your lines, but at that point, you just kind of react in the moment in, in your character as best you can, um, as opposed to when you have a lot of time in a movie or even an episodic television to really work on character and work on beats and moments. You don't have that time in, in soap opera, so you really have to rely, um, and it's hard. It takes some time you want to craft every moment but you just ultimately you have to kind of surrender and that creates this um hopefully it uh it creates a, a relaxation and an ease in front of the camera so that's that's what i that's what i got out of it mm-hmm. uh, and it's invaluable i mean it's been invaluable for uh, a lot of people you see it's interesting i just worked with um this is <laughs> i just worked with uh, julianne moore on a film Get out! It. Yeah, and what, what what film? It's called. It was called The Glorias, and it was directed by Julie Taymor. Yeah, yeah. It's about Gloria Steinem, and she played Gloria Steinem. And yeah, typical Julie Taymor fashion. There, there's there there's a there's kind of surreal element to it. Alicia Vikander um, played Gloria at a younger age, and Julianne Moore played Gloria Steinem. At a, at a, there's actually four different actresses that played Gloria Steinem, but they would interchange and talk to each other during the film at certain points. And I played this, there's actually a real interview. Of, it's based on a true interview, I think with Dick Cavett or somebody mm. where 
Gloria Steinem, he's interviewing Gloria Steinem on his talk show. And he asked these really sexist questions. Um, and so I had the scene with Lisha Vikander. Um, and then it, and then it would cut back to Julianne Moore as, as Julianne Moore would, would answer the question as, as a younger Steinem wouldn't. And so I had these kind of surreal qualities. And then there's a whole Wizard of Oz sequence where the interviewer gets swept up in a tornado and there are witches. And um, okay. one, of the best, one of the best acting experiences I have ever had. Uh, it was a really great scene. It was a, it was a big scene in the movie. Um, and it was great to work with two Academy Award winning actresses. Uh, For sure. My, and, okay. and one who got her start on soaps on the okay. show you worked on. Which is the segue, which is why, why I bring it up. You, oh, okay, good. The original question was like, what you learn, you know, and I, I, she's, um, you know, she's a brilliant actress and not just watching it, but, but working with her was fascinating as well. But, um, and we, I said, you know, because I literally sat with her for two days. We just sit in, you know, you know, that business is boring in terms of uh, production. Yeah. Like you're just sitting there shooting it over and over. <laughs> it's, it's the waiting game. Yeah. And you wait and sometimes you're waiting next to the person you work with. You know, I'm two feet away from her. So we got to know each other very well. And so I, I said, you know, we, we share a common kind of origin. Yeah. So Good for you. I'm so happy. Of course. Of course. She and she's she's absolutely wonderful. She showed me a picture of her, her appendix when they cut it out of her body. So it got <laughs> it got to that point. <laughs> and and so um, she's and she she's talking about Martha Byrne and Michael Parr. I don't think Michael was there. No, she didn't know Michael. No, but all these other folks, and I didn't know a lot of the folks she she knew. But I said, yeah, I think I, you know, the the house that was on the show forever, and I I can't I can't remember the Snyder house, I, the Snyder family. I burned that house down. Yeah. And she's like, no way. I said, yeah. And and, I, and so she, uh, so she talked a lot about her her start there, and I think she was on it for a couple of years. Three years, and yeah. and won an Emmy. Yes, that's right. And that's when I was hooked. Okay. Like you were hooked on days. I was hooked when she was playing. Her, and she was part, she was like a Jake. Right. Because oh, she, she was, was part of the main family. She was, you know, the, the two lead, uh, Bob and Kim, she was their daughter. I don't okay. know if you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and, and you could tell that and there was a, a genuine valuing. Again, this is back to your original, of, of that experience for her starting. She said, that was just my first job. And, um, I was there for yeah. She said, I was there for three years, and it was so it was so important to her foundation, you know. And going from from that point, clearly that clearly in many ways she was, as they say, fully formed at that time as an actress. Um, but you need you, you know, you, there's no substitute for being in front of a camera and saying, "All right, let's go," you know. And um, and so it was a and, and playing twins, you, you know. You right. played one, you know, playing, I can't imagine right. that. But I, it was such a, a refreshing confirmation for the things that I've always kind of felt about working in, in that genre where you have somebody that, you know, sitting across from you won Academy Award and countless awesome roles. Oh, yeah. Really, uh, really. What a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Really communicating though, the importance of, of her daytime experience. Starting out. Yeah, she, and she, like you, she, you know, she talks about it that way. You know, she she acknowledges it in a very positive way, which is, yeah, yeah. what most people should. I mean, because even if you hated your experience, most experiences we all learn from. Sure, sure, you know? and, a, absolutely, and uh, you know, and <clears throat> and I've had kind of a journeyman's career in the soaps. I, I wasn't expecting to, but it's like as you were kind of listing all these. Off, <laughs> feel like a mercenary in that world. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of world turns, what, what do you remember about playing the abusive Les Sweeney? So um, I, I just talked about a great set experience on a film. That was, um, I, I think back at that and I, what I, I loved that experience because it wasn't Jake Martin. And mm. it was one of the reasons I was just kind of bristling at all my children after three or four years. I was just, you know, he's, he, this guy can do no wrong. And I was kind of like, well, and all my children. I said, well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, it would be interesting if a good person does wrong at some point. 
and and how you and how you deal with it. I mean, that seems just kind of intuitively that makes sense. But I was just kind of never allowed to get out of that box of like he's always the good guy. And so cut to Les Sweeney, um, <laughs> who who is just terribly bad, and 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 um, and started off kind of interesting with with Morris character. Yeah, Carly. Yeah, and then the boys involved, and kind of some of the kind of the some of the behaviors he has with the you know clearly this is an abusive guy. But you know, with those kinds of characters, you know, you, you don't you got to be careful because uh, it's easy to write them off or write them into a corner. You know, you've got to create some ability, some some connection that for an audience to want to want to like them in some way. Um, and so. Less, I'm not sure I accomplished that, but. <laughs> what do you recall about working opposite Maura and Michael? Um, well, it started with Sarah Brown. Yeah. And, and um, she wasn't there very long, but she played my wife, but I ended up killing, on the, <laughs> killing her. But she was such a pro and, and such a different environment. Because now, now I'm going from the Upper West Side, I'm working in Brooklyn. So I'm getting in a car. To drive to Brooklyn to this classic stu studio. Speaking of history, yeah. Speaking of history, mm -hmm. and but it's kind of, kind of, a, kind of in the hood. It's kind of a hard, more of a hardcore place. Um, it's, it's the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. It's kind of down and dirty, and a different crew, a different network, different actors. And it was like, and Sarah came out, like, we're going to work on the scene. So it was like, and so you're, so you're. It, it reminded me of just rehearsing and working in the theater with her, and, mm. which I, which I loved. Um, and, and you had to rise to the occasion. And so it's an actress that is given 137%. And you, if you're given a hundred, you're not given enough. And so um, it was, it was great to start with her again. I, I've worked with such great actresses starting on shows um, that I've been, that's been fortunate for, for me to grow as an actor Um Makes a huge difference when yep. you're working, you know, also with, you know, someone like Maura had been there quite a bit, I think at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Sarah Brown had just started there and I, and she wasn't there very long and I started. And so they, so they, I'm not sure what they wanted to do. Les was only going to be six episodes and it was really just to, to deal with Sarah. And then um, all of a sudden it turned into the, the boy came into the picture and then uh, Sarah was killed off her character i can't remember her name her character name and then i started working it kept me on and started working with more and terrorizing her um and of course michael park is part of that um storyline <laughs> and and more again another great actress who is like you know just zoned in and uh it's in some ways it's it's makes things a lot easier i hate to use that word to work with somebody because you are if you're not if you're not reacting to what's really going on, you're, you're in a coma. And <laughs> so, and, and there's fun stuff with Les. And I, I think, you know, I think it, it again, it was, it was, I, it, it was all the things I wanted to do as a character. I couldn't do on all my children. Hmm. Um, and act, you know, I think he was Southern and, 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 and it went again, it's kind of, bittersweet I, I i i really wanted another home i i i left all my children not because i didn't want to be in a soap opera i just was like i'm not i'm spinning my wheels you right know? i you like, wanted the meat that les sweeney was yes and and i got a lot more than than originally was but i think i was there just a, about a year and then they had to, they had to you know get rid of it burns down the snyder house you're, you know you're not gonna yeah you kill you kill somebody you, you burn down yeah and but, you rape and you and you rape you know, more Tierney's character. Those are the, that's when you. Yeah. More West's character. More, more West, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stick around too long, even <laughs> though some, some villains do, but you know, th then they have to redeem you in a good yeah. way. And that's possible. Um, yeah. But that's kind of been, that was then my kind of my store, my, as an actor in soaps, that was kind of my thing. I get hired to play these kind of characters that were awesome. You could chew the scenery with, but they didn't last long, you know, and I wanted to be around, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be back on a show. Um, so that's kind of been the, the pattern. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you, and then you go on to one life to live and work with Trevor St. John and Cassie DePaiva. Yeah. And again, lucky again, I'm working with Cassie DePaiva yeah. and Florencio and Florencia. 
and and two again two actresses you got you, you got to be on your toes with um but a wonderful to work with and a great character again i mean i know he was I, he was played as a second actor i was the second actor to play this character and is that the first time you had done that well jake was played yeah. by somebody early on right yep. yeah 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 but they changed the name and uh, the age was so different i think it was kind of a new character but in some ways even though it wasn't technically but yeah ross rayburn was I think Sean Christian played him originally. Oh, okay. Uh, Giacomo is saying, beautiful Mr. Michael Lowry, greetings from Italy. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Italy. <laughs> Hello, Italy. Ciao, um, Italia. <laughs> so, uh, so, yep, just another another wonderful Another experience. great experience. Um, and then, again, one that lasted a lot longer than it was just supposed to be a few shows. And then he kind of... Um, and they killed him off and they brought him back for a few shows. And um, so, uh, but it was- Well, and it's interesting for somebody, you know, you've described yourself who, who's fascinated by the history of television. I mean, you've been on, you know, historic shows that, you know- Yeah, yeah. That, and, that literally started on those three networks we started our conversation about. Right, exactly. You know? and, and, um, and then you went on to Tainted Dreams, mm -hmm. which is, you know- a, a new generation yeah. of, you know, digital dramas. And, and, and Tainted Dreams is something that Sonia and I, Sonia... Uh, yeah, Blangiardo. Yeah, Sonia Blangiardo I met on. She worked on... It's interesting, you know, she worked on all my... I met her when she was a, in a line producer at All My Children, 96. And then she went over One Life and she actually directed me at, at One Life. Actually, no, she directed me at As the World Turns. As the World Turns, I yeah. thought, yeah. Uh-huh, and... And uh, which is great to, and because Sony and I collaborated on this um, Tainted Dreams thing, because it was about, you know, working on a soap opera and really a lot of it's um, kind of based on true scenarios. Um, and so, and then I worked with her again on One Life to Live. I think she was there, maybe, I don't know. But then Tainted Dreams came together. Um, I think we started writing that in 2006 and well, there was no such thing as the digital <laughs> there was no space yeah and, for sure and, and the technology to film these things didn't really exist in, in the way it did even and that's been gosh tina dreams is almost seven years now seven or eight years ago so crazy um, and and you got to work with two all my children folks who you didn't get to work with when you were there alicia uh, really yep alicia and terry again another example terry ivan's another example of i'm sounding like a broken record of two <laughs> wonderful actresses and and uh, for me, Tainted Dreams was um, wonderful in that way because it had, I had left an all, all my children in 2000 and um, to kind of circle back. And, and, and I had stayed in touch with a lot of people. So I, I, I didn't know Alicia personally. I knew Terry personally, but the people I hadn't worked with. So to be able to work with these kind of these people that came on after I left, after I left and were huge on the show, you know, especially Alicia. Yeah, I just met her. She did the show with uh, oh, yeah. Eden and Susan, and she was so sweet. Loved yeah. her. Yes, and, and she's a very close friend of mine now and from, from Tainted Dreams. And uh, and so, it was again, I, I just feel fortunate to, you know, Sony and I stayed in, in touch and worked on this thing and was to be able to kind of come together and, and do something like this, you know, years down the road was awesome. You learn so much when you work with group great people no matter in, in you know even like sonia you know she's not an actress yep. but the people behind the scenes as well so much yeah. to learn from absolutely and, and there's a comfort since you've already it's not like you're you audition for a job and you don't know anybody that's around you you know and that 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 helps you know when you're kind of already when you start working you're plugged in and you know people you know especially sonia who's directing it and you can talk things through and you don't feel weird and, and that created a, a comfort which i think translates to the work too hmm you were also on one of my favorite shows, Nashville, playing oh, okay. uh, Kenneth Devine, the publicist to Will, uh, the Will Chase character. Yeah. What was that, that like? So an interesting thing happened. Um, you, you were doing my job as an actor on their show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, indeed. And so that's another one of those jobs that kind of evolved. Um, and an interesting thing happened. Like I kind of decided to leave the business in 2010 after one life to live and went back to, to school L long story short, i went back to law i went to law school for a few years and took time off and just well, said, well, well 
let's go there for a minute. What prompted law school? I think um, I was just at an eighth point in my life where, um, you know, I, the, the, the jobs were, were there. They were just, it was frustrating because they were kind of, you know, like the, like the soap operas we've described, they, they would start, they would bloom and then they would stop. And right. I went through, as, you know, you go through the cycle as an actor, which is, which is, which is, you know, Brett is, that's part of the, you know, that's part of the deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You know, in your twenties and thirties, you know, that kind of gypsy life and, uh, and, you know, you, you, you save your money, you do what you need to do. But as you get older, as I got older, I just got tired of it. And right. unless I was going to get a lead on a series where I was working for three or four years, you know, and I was, you know, looking for that next soap job or something that would, you know, be a longer term commitment. But soaps were getting canceled. And there was a lot of people like me out there. And, <laughs> you know, actors without soap opera actors that, you know, used to work. And, you know, because now there was 13 shows, 10, you know, now four, I guess you, you're. It's a, it's a different game. And so I said, you know, I need to, I need to kind of go back to, to school. And uh, I went to law school at UCLA. Uh, I was fortunate to get in there. And that was a, that's a whole, there's a whole other book to be written. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what made you choose law? I what, felt like what? it was like the one thing, because I was always kind of arguing <laughs> a lot with my contracts and, you know. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, not, you know. Not, but to a point where I, that that was something that I, I obviously I had a, an attention to detail about, and I I wanted to go maybe into entertainment law, um, and be able to be a lawyer, but also act. I really wanted to still be able to have my time. I didn't want to completely check out of the business. I wanted to be available. Um, and so that was the plan. I knew that really was smart to you know to learn, you know, sort of contract law. Yeah, and and well, what I learned was. Um, is that you know law school is tough, <laughs> especially I, I'm I'm fifty. Yeah, God, God bless you for going back. I don't know, and, but it, there's like a sitcom in, in that that whole experience because I was I started I was forty two, and I thought okay you stay at law school there's going to be a you know broad swath. Of, That's really um brave. Well, I mean I know a lot of people do it, but I you know I that's a. Well, bravery, you know, there's bravery and there's <laughs> bravery and stupidity. And, I, and so, because I thought, because I did well in school when I was younger. I was a, I was a valedictorian and salutatorian oh, and magna cum laude. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a smart guy, right? Well, well, you come from doctors, so I, I can buy that. <laughs> so I thought, I'm not going to have a problem in law school. And it was a struggle for me. And it's a different wow. brain. And, um, and so, and also, I just wasn't prepared because I'm the guy that the last time I was in school was in 1989 or 1990. So I showed up with my my yellow legal pad, wherever it is, <laughs> you know. And I get there first day of class. I remember it was property class, and all. And by the way, there was nobody. It was the 42 year old and all the 22 year olds. There was no, you know, it was me with a bunch of kids that just graduated from from college, and and they all had their laptops. I'm like, well, what are they doing? Right. I, there must be, you know, they, are they getting online? You're not supposed to get online. The teacher start, the professor starts lecturing and they start tapping away. I mean, they're, they're taking dictation basically and, and putting it in like software outlines already. And I'm like, you know, with my pen. And, <laughs> and so quickly I had to adapt. That is such a sitcom right there. And I was, I was so fortunate because I have such a, it, it was a really tough experience in the moment. It was, it was rough. I was, I was at a beautiful law school, UCLA. So I drove, I drove down Sunset Boulevard every day to law school from my very beautiful Brentwood apartment and walked wow. through beautiful gardens in UCLA to hell, you know, which was law school. And I, I made some good friends and, and I had a study group of these young, smart 22 year olds that kind of took me under their wing and said, look, dude, you need to like learn to type. You need to, had you, not, had you not had you not known how to did, type? I kind of took typing class in ninth grade, so I kind of had the rudiments of it. But, but that came that came back. And but but you're like the point was you need to get up to speed. You can't say, oh, I'm not going to have a cell phone because 
you know, everybody has a cell phone. Everybody, you know, you got to rise to the technology and the way information is right. processed because learning is taking place at a, at a different scale than you're used to, you know, old man. So, so step. So there was that kind of learning wow. curve learned. Um, in addition to all the cases and, and, and actually the, 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 the substance of law school, which was the, really the amount, I mean, just contracts alone are, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't even know what a law uh, school textbook looks like, but I know what contracts look like and they overwhelm me all the time. They, they are the terms of the terms of service and corporate contracts. And I'm doing, a, I'm dabbling into a little bit of that right now. And, it, and, it, and it, 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 it's head spinning. It's a thing that, you scroll down and you hit, I agree. That's, you know, <laughs> totally lawyers write that crap. Uh, and, but law school encompassed a lot. What I, I think to your original question, why law school, it, it, it law school encompasses a lot of different uh, study areas. It's a very broad, it's really a lib, kind of a liberal, it's a liberal arts education, but I approached it that way. You know, you've got entertainment law, which is really contracts. You have criminal, criminal law, constitutional law, you got tort law, civil, you know, things. You've got international law. There's a lot of different ways you can go mm -hmm. with it. And I found, you know, the contract stuff wasn't that interesting to me. And 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 really getting down to it, maybe I didn't want to be an entertainment lawyer. Maybe that wasn't my bag. And I was really more interested in trial work and trial uh, constitutional law and, and um, really criminal constitutional law and defending third, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth amendment and being. And, and being a trial attorney, because um, you're able to also perform and, and be persuasive, which is what you do as an actor. You know, you're, right. you're, you're there to persuade, you know, the person yeah. you're with and by extension, who's viewing you. And that's a lot of, of what I do hmm. as, a, as a lawyer is trial work and litigation. And so I came out of that experience after three years and meeting some wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful young people who are now in their 30s. And um, but. To your point about Nashville, I was trying to remember what the original point is. I, I finished in 2013, and at that time, I moved back to New York City, and I was kind of exhausted with law school. I took the bar exam in New York and California and passed them, or not California, but Oregon and, and New York. Luckily, got through the first round and passed the, the bar, so I was admitted to be attorneys in both states, but I didn't really want to practice law because I ended up getting an agent. Um, I kind of got back into the business. Because the business suddenly turned into this put yourself on tape kind of yeah. Right. You don't you have to go anywhere. Correct. You could be anywhere. And I happen to be yeah. in the city, but, uh, and I like that process of controlling the audition on my own terms. If, it, if I mm. screwed it up, I could do it again. Right. If you're not happen. happy with it, you can Correct. redo. And hopefully you're doing what the director ultimately would want. That's the only thing that's missing. But I got an agent in Atlanta. And I started working more than I ever worked as an actor um, from book, getting, putting myself on tape in New York and booking Atlanta gigs. I did Drop Dead Diva, which was filmed in Atlanta. It was a Lifetime show. I did The Longest Ride, uh, which is a film with Scott Eastwood. It was a Nicholas Sparks, you know, romantic yeah. uh, thing. Uh, I, I did um, a, uh, a series called Powers. And I was on that for two years. And then I did... Um, Nashville was, was one of the great things that came out of that kind of Atlanta uh, acting experience. Um, and Is that's that filmed of, in Atlanta? It's filmed in, it's filmed in Nashville. And so oh, that's the, my, myself, my Atlanta agent kind of got me in on this. And the, the first, it was, again, it was one of these kind of three or four lines. You're probably just in two shows kind of thing. And then it kind of blossomed into um, this kind of interesting, you know, uh, I guess he ran that he was the corporate manager of uh... I lost your sound. Okay. Hold on one second. Oh, there you are. Okay. Um, and they film at Nashville. And so I was working in Atlanta on another show. And so I took the Greyhound bus up to Nashville and, and, <laughs> and started working with um, Will uh, Chase. Will Chase. And he like he and I got along really well, and um, we had this kind of interesting rapport. Rapport, but then they kind of turned me into this homophobic kind of dude, uh, and so I, I was hoping like, okay, this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna find my home here. Oh right, because you had an issue with the the guy he wanted to sign who was gay. Yes. Yes. And, and I and I and I I bristled at that criticism because people would say, and the characters were saying that too. And I said, no, I'm just saying like. 
look at look at what's happening. It's affecting your business, you know, Luke. I think that was his character's name. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, and he's like, no, I ain't gonna do it. You know, well, I'm on a date. <laughs> so so and suddenly a, um, a, an ex girlfriend of mine had worked on that show as an acting coach, and she saw the the script where I was some, summarily fired by <laughs> by Will's <laughs> character. She goes, well, I hope you enjoyed your three or four. You run because they're over. <laughs> yeah. You were a bad publicist. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, but I, I, they were. It was great. It's really, it's great to work on a primetime show. I mean, there yeah, was I a bet. lot of money on that show, and they treated you really well. And I, I'd show up in Nashville. I'd give me a car, and and you know, that's nice awesome. Day, and it was, it was just a great experience. Yeah, I really, I love that show. I love Connie yeah. Brenton. Connie Brenton's awesome. Yeah, she she's great. I I I saw some of her recent Dirty John. She was wonderful. Oh, she was great in that. Yeah, yeah. she's great in everything. Yeah. What um, when did you start uh, playing music? I started. Um, you know, I took piano lessons as a kid, so I kind of knew music theory and could find my way around on a keyboard. I never really played piano much after that, but I had some musical sense, and I love. I consume music probably as much as television. When I so I had a sense, I had a musical sense and wanted to play music. I think we were talking earlier about, you know, you know, when you're consuming art, do you want to just consume it or do you want to be a part of it? And I, so I played, I started, I, I listened to a, a fair amount of blues in the seventies and, and I didn't understand this one instrument that I kept hearing. And, and it was really like, what is that? I know guitar, I know bass, I know drums, singing, obviously, and I know different horns. What is this? piercing wailing instrument that that seems like it's coming from like you know the deepest darkest recesses of the soul and i realized it was a harmonica and hmm. playing harmonica not like country country joe or bob dylan but uh, a real soulful um amplified blues harmonica like little walter and I, I first heard records from the blues brothers that's when i first heard it and dan Aykroyd was actually playing harmonica he's not the best harmonica player in the world but that's what was my indoctrination to it. So I picked up a harmonica and guess what? I couldn't make those sounds. And this was when I was like 16, 17. And there was no instruction. There's no, like you could get a guitar teacher, right? You could get a teacher for trombone or you don't, you can't find a harmonica teacher. And I just couldn't figure out how to make these sounds that I was hearing. Like it just, I know they were playing through an amplifier, but I bought a little amplifier, but it was wrong and the microphone was wrong. And so I, but I did learn the basics of it. I could listen to it. I could learn how to bend notes and play scales to a certain extent and bow chords and got pretty good at it at a beginner level. <clears throat> and then, so I kind of had the harmonica thing since, since a young age, I gave it up. I stopped it. And then when I worked on all my children, I really picked up the guitar and played my dressing room and I played guitar to a lot of ACDC. I'd practice in my dressing room. So that's where I got really into the, the rock and roll and the guitar stuff and created the Dunder Cheap, which is the ACDC tribute band we've had in New York since 2006. Um, and had a lot of great players in that band. Matt Beck, who plays for Matchbox 20, is the other uh, guitarist. Jonathan Dinklage is the drummer. And Peter's, Peter Dinklage is his brother. Uh, Mark Vanderpool is a bass player. And, and uh, the great Sean Jeunesse is the singer. Sean's a um, Broadway guy and, and, and kind of like you know, kind of has a Joe Cocker voice and, and, uh, but Sean is actually, and that, that band has since not worked as much as we're getting old and it's loud and we're all losing our hearing. So Sean and I. <laughs> yeah. ACDC music's loud. It is, but people love it. And, and, and everybody in the band's pretty, is damn good. I'm not, I'm the, I'm the weak link in the chain for sure, but, um, but I doubt that. I doubt that. It's a good, it's a good show. We put on a good show and we decided to put it together. So. But you mentioned that you perform a lot in New York with the other band. Right. Uh, what's the name of the other band? The other, ba other band is called Angry Kicking Feet. Don't ask me why, uh, <laughs> but Sean, Sean, the singer, came up with it. Uh, Angry Kicking Feet. Don't ask me why. A lot of people say Angry Chicken Feet. No, it's Angry. <laughs> is there a website? Because I'll edit. We uh, we don't. We we're we're terrible with social media. We're typical guys in our mid. <laughs> we're terrible. There's an Instagram page, um, Angry Kicking Feet. I, I okay. think it's all one word and it's kicking, not kicking. I'm going to add it uh, to the YouTube link for this. Angry okay. Kicking kickin Feet. 
And I don't believe there's an apostrophe. It's just angry. Yep, I found it. Good. I'll, I'll, I'll add it. <laughs> and um, so I, about five or six years ago, I picked the harmonica back up again. And now guess what? There's instruction. There's all kinds of stuff, obviously, on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I found some really great teachers. And, Isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you weren't able to find it for so right. long. YouTube comes along. Yep. Yep. And, and they're your mentor suddenly. So I found a few people I work with um and and i dedicated myself to it for five or six years and so i play a lot here in oregon good for you and that's, uh, that's and, awesome I, yeah. I mean it really is amazing about youtube isn't it i mean like yeah it, you really could learn if yeah. there's anybody watching this if there's anything you want to learn look it up because you really could learn yeah. it yourself yeah and 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 that's what i needed with the harmonica there's just some tricks i just didn't know and, and, and if you didn't have a mentor back in the day, it was a mentor student relationship in the fifties and sixties and seventies with that kind of instrument. If you didn't have that, then you kind of had to figure it out on your own. And it's, and it's hard without. That's all. That's awesome. Have you been out performing since uh, the pandemic's been lifted sort of? Yeah, yeah we play uh, in New York city quite a bit at a place called um, the Wayland, which is a country bar. And we actually started a live music there. It's a, it's in Hell's Kitchen on 50th and 10th Avenue. It's called the Wayland, and it, it, that's relatively new, right? Yeah, it's about four or five years old. Yeah, I used to live on 48th and 10th. It used to be Druids, and um, okay. and has a kind of a, it's a history in and of itself. That bar, in terms of the you know the Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I lived in that area for for a long time. My favorite um, part of New York. Oh, it is mine yeah. too. I loved it. I, I was there for a long time. And then we moved to 37th and 10th before moving to Jersey. Um, before I let you go, I know fans would love to hear about Days of Our Lives. Yes. Um, days um, was, you know, I, again, kind of like whenever you think you're not going to work. And playing well. another doctor. Yes. Came full, but just like the opposite of, I mean, the true opposite of Jake Martin. Um, and um, I had... Um, I got that job in December of last year and didn't work it until I think I started shooting that in January or February. Um, and it was another one of those things where I didn't know I, I was just two episodes then it was three, then it was four, then it was five, then it was 10, then it was 13. It was... So his character, his, his character kind of evolved. And, um, but I, I, again, was fortunate to work with great people on the show. It was just quite, um, it was the middle of COVID. It's still middle of COVID. What am I saying? Yeah, so yeah. there's all those protocols um to so to, it's hard to uh do what you did at you know while my children are as well you don't get to uh have downtime together you don't get to have any time together you know you're you're um you know there's two things going on there's also there's a constraint of production because they want you to do everything you know there's it's literally three times as fast there's no there's no rehearsing it's like you know your line you're three times as fast as when like you were on all my children um three times as fast 10 times as fast as when I was on all my children, <laughs> three times as fast as Azrael turned. Wow. But, and, and, but then the COVID created this complication where, you know, you couldn't rehearse with people. You, they, you know, you go and you get tested in the morning and uh, then you wait two hours. They, they, they quarantine you for two hours in your dressing room and then they call you up and they give you the news. You passed. You're, oh yeah, my yeah. God. So every day you're like, you know, cause, cause I was flying down there from, from Oregon to work on it. And That's crazy. So I'm like, gosh, who knows? You know, maybe today I'm positive and I don't get to work. And so, but even then when you pass, you still can't, you can't work with people. You can't, they won't let you get together until you're on the set. I didn't so, realize, I didn't realize yeah. people weren't rehearsing. I wonder if other shows are. On the phone with your, your scene partner and you call them and you're like, you run live, you're on the phone. <laughs> well, you want to hear funny? Michael Park and Moore West, uh, when they did the show, told me they, um, they they would do that because they would both drive to Brooklyn, uh -huh. so they would run lines on the phone. <laughs> so it it presaged they they were they had a lot yeah of they they were pre yeah. uh, planning for COVID, but that was that was how you did it and uh, wow it was that's hard not being able really, to rehearse it was really hard and 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 there was a lot of dialogue like I all I did was memorize lines in my spare time because you 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 had a lot to do in a short period of time. And, right. and they and they're tight with their schedule. You start at eight, and they're done by by five. Yeah, and they're very tight because I know, yeah. like they they do it so far in advance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to really save some dollars. Yep, yep. And so that that was a different kind of pressure I'd 
you know, it's, it's fast enough as it was 20 years ago. And then to kind of like, um, but you find it, you find it. It's like going back to law school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, and, and it was great to work there. And, and for me to come kind of full circle in this conversation, how we started with, you know, that's, that was the show I watched, you know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, was what was it like? Did you get it to was, work with people you watched back then? I did. I worked with um, Kayla. Wow. Um, and Mary Beth. Mary, Mary Beth. And, and I was kind of felt weird because I was a little starstruck. Yet I've been in this business forever. Yet I'm kind of like, gosh, I, I, I wanted to say I watched you and, you know, but I was like, I was nervous around her. Like, but, you know, it's like, always... I mean, you know, I told you I grew up on As Well Turns and Guiding Light and then I, you know, full circle to end up, you know, doing PR there, you know, but I can't imagine acting opposite one of those. Right. And, the, and it was surreal for those reasons. And yeah. you know, Stephen Nichols is there. And, and also just being on those sets that are the same sets from like, you know, 30 40 years ago that really that is like an incredible full circle mm -hmm. moment yeah so it was, it was great for that reason it was just uh it was it was really awesome so that's yeah. awesome michael it's so great to talk to you thank you so much for that's doing really nice. this it was my pleasure great to talk to you you too you stay well and uh yeah. i'm gonna put the link up on the website so definitely promote your shows on uh Excellent. instagram so, I, I so people that. know thank you very much you're welcome have okay. a great thank evening bye-bye Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I appreciate you all watching. Thank you, Michael Lowry, for taking the time to be here with us. Take a moment to subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you haven't, you can turn on the notifications down below for reminders of all, coming, uh, all upcoming shows. And don't forget tomorrow, Search for Tomorrow's Marie Chatham and Lisa Peluso will be here. Have a great afternoon, everybody, and I'll see you tomorrow.